Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Ambulance EMS Podcast. I'm Dr. Danielle Campaign, American Ambulance's Medical Director. I'm here with our fantastic co-hosts, Dr. Sajid Bakta and Dr. Patil Armenian. Hi, everyone. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about iGel. But first, I want to introduce a special guest we have with us, Mr. Christian Valdez. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Who serves a million people in the valley? We do. The brave men and women of the double A are the best at what they do in EMS today. The finest place in the world to be is right here as a part of American's family. Help is on the way, got a unit and route. No matter the problem, when in doubt, we send them out. Sure as the sunrise, sure as I bust this rhyme, 10 minutes or less. Every call, every time, this is my career path, this is what I do. The double A's, red, white, and blue. Get your call on. Here comes American. Get your lights on. Here comes American. Get your gurney on. Here comes American. Get your gloves on. Here comes American. Get your save on. Thank you, Christian, for being on the podcast with us today. Can you go ahead and tell us about yourself? Hey, thank you for having me. So I've been in EMS since 2015. Currently, still at this moment, an EMT, kind of that weird transitional phase between national and state licensing. Uh, but just finished internship, medic school, and ready to move forward. Fantastic. Tell us about your experience with the IGEL. Uh, so my first experience with the IGEL outside of the classroom scenario was actually during clinicals at RMC. One of our medics, JT, who's also an adjunct instructor for the county, brought in a cardiac arrest. Uh, about a middle-aged female, uh, full cardiac arrest, was getting the works. Um, she had an eye gel in place. Um, we noticed that the eye gel wasn't seating completely well, so immediately the resident wanted to do an intubation. Um, so I assisted in ventilations in the meantime while the resident got all their stuff prepared, got ready for intubation, and then said, all right, go ahead and pull the eye gel. It's amazing how fast and how easy it is to actually pull the eye out. It's literally just a, and it comes right out with split second. Um, unfortunately, the airway was very hard, very messy. So the resident wasn't able to get the intubation uh, during the first attempt. And so the resident said, I need another adjunct in place. And I still had the eye in my hand. So looked at me, pointed and said, get that eye back in there. And just as easy as it was to pull that eye gel out, it was just split second, eye gel was back in. We had confirmed airway in place, used our color metric to confirm the airway, lung sounds, everything. Ended up doing that a second time, but um, the transition between like extubating with an eye gel and re-intubating with the eye gel is, it's pretty fast and it's fascinating. And it was actually surprising to me the look on the nurses' faces when I first reinsert the eye gel as fast as I did, and to my amazement too, I was kind of stunned for a little bit. But yeah, we kind of talked about it after after running the code, and that was my first uh, experience with the eye gel. So did not expect to have that fast of an insert and extubate. Yeah, and that's one of the benefits of the eye gel: how quickly you can place it, and that's why it's become one of the superglottic airways of choice in the pre-hospital setting. Have you used the eye gel out in the field? So during my internship, um, I did have a patient who was in her late nineties. Ended up actually going into cardiac arrest in front of us, so we witnessed it. And yeah, that was my first time also working a code in the field with my preceptor, with my partner, and that was my first time using an eye gel in the field pre-hospital. I went off of the weight. Unfortunately, the first uh, IGL I selected did not seat very well with a patient. 
So very rapidly we reassessed and it was really easy, really fast to pull the eye gel right out and insert the correct eye gel that would fit better for the patient. Pretty amazing the how fast you can switch out the eye gel for one that fits that patient better in a scenario with high stakes, you know, a lot of energy going around. You got a lot of stuff that's that you're working on, your code, your compressions, your drugs. But that's one thing I didn't really have to worry too much about. I didn't have to spend too much time doing. And I think at the end of it all, it was maybe three seconds in swapping out the eye gel if that, you know, and I really appreciate that because that takes a huge workload off of me. I can establish my airway, secure it, uh, confirm it with cardiometric, the EDD, or, you know, and also lung sounds and work the rest of the code and focused on everything else that I needed to focus. Fantastic. Any questions from our team? It just sounds like it's really easy to use. And in both scenarios, you were able to place it pretty quickly. So that's great. Yeah, I would say very easy to use, very easy to place, to recognize if it's seating well or not, and to adjust if you need to switch it out or not. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on today and for sharing your case. Thank you guys so much for having me. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the superglottic device called the iGel. Um, if you listen to episode 39 on airway management, you can hear a full discussion on intubation and airway management. Now, in our Central California EMS agency system, iGel is the supraglottic airway used and is an ALS skill. In some systems, iGel is even used at the BLS level. Um, just to break down some of our regional airway stats from the last three years, uh, in 2019, uh, the success rate with ET tubes um, or endotracheal intubations was 75.7%. At that time, we also used the King tube in our system, and the success rate with that was 90%. Um, iGel wasn't used yet at that time. Now, in 2020 is when the iGel was introduced, and at that time, endotracheal intubations had a 65.9% success rate. Uh, the King tube had a, about a 91% success rate, and the iGel had a 94.2% success rate. Now, in 2021, iGel was really the only airway used at that point. And the iGel success rate was 93.6%, and that's out of 549 airways. So a fairly big number. Now, in 2022, um, so far, over 200 iGels have been placed in the first five months with a 91.2% success rate. When we talk about success rate, just interrupt you really quick. Just remember, this is a first pass success rate. So that basically means if the medic attempted an intubation and the patient gagged and they pulled the blade out, they would that would be recorded as an attempt that was not successful. So it doesn't mean that they're like intubating the esophagus wrongly on these 2019 data, but it just means that on the first look, they were not able to pass it. Yeah, that's a good point. And then just to talk about like the changes made in our system, eye gels were implemented in March 2020, which as we know is really when COVID started in the US. And prior to that, KingTube was the superglottic airway of choice. And once uh, the COVID pandemic kind of hit, we decided to stop endotracheal intubations in our system due to, you know, COVID safety. And so that's why the eye gel really took over as the airway of choice. 
So to summarize this up with iGel, it sounds like we're seeing more airways being managed with iGel or SuperCloud device and then this higher success rate because now we're above 90s since iGel's come in. Am I seeing those stats right, Patiel? Yeah, you are. And that's our goal, right? We want a successful airway procedure performed over 90% of the time. And now that we have iGel, we are actually hitting that mark. Whereas back when we were mostly doing endotracheal intubations, we were not there. And I think it's especially important in our system where our medics don't have access to RSI meds, we're really not able to give them the best chance at first success. And so I think this is a great tool to use, not only as a bridge to endotracheal intubation, but also as a definitive airway. Exactly. And you're seeing it more and more in the hospitals, you're seeing it in surgeries, you're seeing it in a lot of things. It's a great superglottic device that controls that airway. Let's just break it down for our audience a little bit and go through some questions. So what exactly is an iGel for all those listening if they don't know what it is? So the iGel is a disposable, non-inflating, supraglottic airway consisting of a mask and a tube. One notable feature of the iGel is that the rim of the mask is designed to conform to the anatomical shape of the larynx. So really, the goal is to provide an airtight seal without a cuff. The iGel is partly made from a thermoplastic elastomer, according to the manufacturer. And in this context, it describes a polymer that softens when heated and hardens when cooled, potentially helping seal the device at body temperature. And again, the goal of a supraglottic device is to minimize the air traveling into the esophagus and maximize the air traveling into the trachea. So what's the difference between an eye gel and an LMA? So the iGel is a disposable supraglottic airway device with a non-inflatable cuff, and the LMA, or laryngeal mask airway, is a reusable device with an inflatable cuff. And I think it just takes one step out of the equation where you don't have to deal with the cuff, damaging the cuff, inflating the cuff. As Christian was mentioning earlier, it's just so easy to just slip in and out, and I think it makes it a lot easier for providers who are doing this in stressful situations. So, Danielle, uh, since you've done a lot of research into this topic, I'm going to ask you, is the iGel as good as intubation for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest? You know, that is a great question. And I would have to say an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, my opinion is that it's better than intubation. And I'm going to tell you why. There was a great study called the Airway 2 trial, and it was published in JAMA in 2018. And it randomized medics to use iGel versus intubation for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest in England. And this was a multi-center cluster, it was randomized trial, almost 10,000 adult patients in non-traumatic out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. That's a lot of patients. And the primary outcome was good neurological outcome at 30 days or hospital discharge. There's really no difference in iGel versus intubation. You know, each had around a 6 to 7% good neurological outcome and it's not statistically different. But they did have a great um, success, 87.5% ventilation on the first try was greater with the iGel group and only 79% for the intubation group. There was no difference in complication of like aspiration between the groups. And then really another issue was that the paramedic device preference and confidence. So the paramedics were randomized, you know, to use intubation or to use iGel and um, they preferred the iGel. It was easier to use um, and they had less complications with it. And as we know, without hospital cardiac arrest, the main goal is to not interrupt um, compressions. And so with this trial and this many people enrolled, to me, it shows that iGel is a safe um, and effective way to manage the airway and to not interrupt compressions. And we see the same data in our own American Ambulance data that medics seem to be using the iGel more to manage airways instead of bagging the patients. And they seem to be more comfortable using it. And that feeling and that 
importance of not interrupting compressions was also highlighted in a study in 2013 in the journal Resuscitation, looking at the performance of eye gel during pre-hospital CPR. It was an observational study of almost 80 paramedics inserting eye gels in pre-hospital CPR situations. There was a 90% first attempt insertion success rate, and it was reported as easy by 80% of paramedics. And the IGEL enabled continuous chest compressions without pauses for ventilation in 74% of CPR attempts. And ventilation during CPR was adequate during 96% of all CPR attempts. So the conclusion of that study, and again, what we know now when we talk about is that it's an easy supraglottic airway device to insert and enables adequate ventilation during pre-hospital CPR. Now, the other question comes up that's so great for hospitals, should we be using it in emergency departments for cardiac arrest patients? Um, and there is a study that talks about that, um, that looks at, this study was in 2018 at the Journal of Intensive Care and Emergency Medicine, and this was out of Korea. They looked at iGEL as a first-line airway device in emergency room for patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. So they come in, there's no iGEL in place, and then when they come in the emergency department, they put in the iGEL. And so they reviewed intubation used by the docs and IGEL used by the physicians to assess the first attempt success rate in the hospital setting. They looked at 322 adult non-traumatic cardiac arrest patients, and the first attempt success rate was higher in the IGEL group, almost 97%, and in the intubation group was only 84.6%. And the time from arrival to obtaining that advanced airway was much shorter in the IGEL group compared to the intubation group. So this study concluded that IGEL showed a better first attempt success rate and shorter insertion time compared with intubation, even when performed by physicians in a hospital setting. And we see that in our own ED practice at um, RMC. A lot of times cardiac arrest patients come in, we place that IGEL, and that was kind of what Christian was talking about, they come with the IGEL. Once you get ROSC, then you try to intubate them. But if you have a difficult intubation, you use that IGEL as a backup airway or as a nice way to stabilize that airway. What's your guys' own experience with the IGEL? Well, it's so interesting to hear all this because I have to say just my initial gut reaction is to intubate the patient. I mean, I'm like, I get a code, we're going to intubate the patient, and I still don't have that thing in my head of that the eye gel is necessarily uh, top on the menu. But now hearing all this, I'm realizing, you know, we waste a lot of time with intubations in these cases, and the eye gel is so fast, and I should really be using the eye gel more. And I actually feel like I'm going to change my practice based on hearing all of this information. Fantastic. What about you, Sajin? I think as I'm still early in my training, I've learned to use this device a lot over the last few years. And again, for difficult intubations, it's a great way to get really adequate pre-oxygenation and ventilation for several minutes, as opposed to just using an oral airway or a nasal airway that you really aren't sure if you're getting adequate chest rise. If you put an eye gel in, which takes the same amount of time as an oral airway, and you can bag them through the eye gel, you're actually getting really great pre-oxygenation. And you can buy yourself a few minutes while you prepare for a difficult intubation or for any other procedures you might need to do. And I think as more and more studies come out the past couple of years about the importance of resuscitation before intubation, the importance of cardiac arrest, not stopping the compressions. You know, I feel like 20 years ago, A was always first, right? And now I feel like it's, you're going to ventilate them, but you really want to get the compressions going, get the medication on, get the fluid resuscitation, and then intubate them. So it's kind of pushing intubation lower on that pathway. Yeah. And as the studies mentioned, there really was no difference in outcomes in IGEL versus intubation. So I think it's absolutely 
appropriate to use that as your definitive airway in these cardiac arrest patients. Yeah, I agree. Let's walk through the protocol. Sajan, you want to take us through the SIMSA IGL supraglottic airway procedure? Of course. So we start with our indications. So the protocol outlines that the IGL may be used as an advanced airway alternative to endotracheal intubation. It is performed only on a patient who meets all of the criteria. One, they are unconscious with no purposeful movements and an absent gag reflex. Two, that they are apneic or having agonal respirations less than eight per minute. And three, they are at least five feet tall. And this has to do with the size of the eye gels that we carry. The contraindications are patients under five feet tall, suspected caustic ingestion, which can lead to pharyngeal and esophageal injury that we don't want to irritate. Three is suspected narcotic overdose until after the administration of naloxone. And four is laryngectomy or tracheal stoma. So the procedure itself always start with considering C-spine injury and use inline immobilization if necessary. Two is having suction equipment immediately available. Three is prior to placing the eye gel, you hyperventilate the patient pre-oxygenate with 100% oxygen for a minimum of one minute. Do not interrupt ventilation for more than 20 seconds while inserting the airway. If you're unable to insert and ventilate in 20 seconds or less, you stop, you oxygenate again, and you reattempt. You can lubricate the gel-filled cuff on all sides with a water-soluble lubricant. You basically push the tongue out of the way and you insert the tube in advance until you hit resistance. Don't use excessive force. And sometimes you need to put the patient in a sniffing position, just like for intubation. If you're unsuccessful, you can ventilate for one minute before trying again. And really you shouldn't be trying more than two attempts per patient to establish an eye gel. If BBM ventilations cannot be adequately performed, a third attempt of the eye gel will be appropriate before you jump to transtracheal jet insufflation. Yeah, I like to jump in. I think the hardest part is, um, like Christian mentioned in his talk, is getting the right size. You know, it's weight-based. And so you can might be heavier, but actually have a small airway. And so I think if someone's really big and you put in a, a too big, it just doesn't seat right. So it kind of stays too far out. And just, just like he talked about in his case, just swap that out really quickly and put in the other one in such a quick, easy way. It's kind of blind insertion. That's a nice way to put it in. And if you aren't very familiar with these tubes, there is a black line um, towards the top of it that should sit right at the patient's lips. And that tells you if it's seated properly, even though you can't see into the pharynx. And they do sizing all the way down to pediatrics and neonates. Not every system has that, but um, if you do in your system, it's, it's easy to place in the same way. So let's jump to our summary and take-home points. What do we want everyone to remember about the IGEL? Patio. Um, the IGEL is a safe and effective pre-hospital supraglottic airway. That's our big take-home point here. Sajin. In cardiac arrest, the IGEL can be used as your definitive airway. Yeah, and that's my take-home point too, that um, it's better than intubation for out-hospital cardiac arrest. And since we do most of our airways in those arrest patients, um, it's so important to keep compressions continuous and not interrupted. But that's why the IGEL is great for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. 
If you guys like the American Ambulance EMS podcast and you feel like this has been useful for you, please give us a five-star review on the iTunes store so that we can move up in the ratings so that uh, other uh, pre-hospital professionals can listen to us as well. Um, and we're also taking any solicitations for ideas or or topics that you want covered, and you can email us anytime at podcast at AmericanAmbulance.com. Once again, that's podcast at AmericanAmbulance.com. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the American Ambulance EMS podcast produced by American Ambulance in Fresno, California. The views of the guests and the hosts of this show are their own and don't necessarily reflect the views of American Ambulance or UCSF Fresno. The theme song for the show is written and performed by Roshan Roach. The beats were created by Young Pear and Brett Schoenwald. And I'm John Mark Bergen, American Ambulance's media producer, saying thanks for joining us. Have a great shift and stay safe out there.